Welcome to the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Join your hosts, three-time WBFF world champions and WBFF royalty, Alicia Gowans and Stephanie Ayala McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. All right, so we're tuning in for our next episode of Queen Divas Podcast with my beautiful co-host, Stephanie Ayala McHugh. Hello, everyone. And we're discussing all things sleep. Sleep how's is my your, favorite. That's my favorite. How's your, how's your sleep been going now that you're coming in only so many sleeps to stage? Oh, man. You know, it's actually like 50 sleeps to stage. Can you believe That's that? crazy. Oh, my God. Oh my God. It's 50. I'm still just kind of mind blown thinking about that. You know, it's seven weeks, technically, you know, thinking of it in weeks forms. Uh, uh, It is starting to creep up, I think, with sleep. Um, It's one of the most important things that so many people neglect. And um, with sleep being one of the biggest, biggest tools, not just for, you know, physical, you know, changes, as well as like uh, cognitive function, you know, and obviously trying to get your metabolism and all, all of your healthy bodily functions uh, you know, flowing, it's more about really trying to prioritize it, in my opinion. So many people neglect it and put it on the back burner. And for me, it's a priority during prep. So to answer your question, I am sleeping so good because I'm training yeah. hard. I am training so hard that it just puts me, it knocks me out. And it does. It does, it does exactly that to where I'm sleeping very, very deep. Um, of course, uh, it's going to start probably changing as I start getting a little closer from just being uh, anxious and starting to get a little more of the, you know, anxiety of yeah. that's normal for any competitor too. So hey, let me ask you this because I bet you get thrown this from people. I get to the end and I get so scared of going to bed hungry that I'm more awake. It's so true. I think that's some one of the things that uh, we need to battle with uh, our meal timing. I think that that also is something that we need to uh, make sure that we actually have uh, timed correctly, because if you are going to sleep later than when your last meal uh, actually was, then you are going to be dealing with this a lot more. If you're not hitting your water intake uh, enough sufficiently, you are definitely going to be feeling very empty. Uh, The fluids fill up your gut and you really feel so much more uh, satisfied, even though you're not necessarily satisfying your hunger, uh, you do at least get to manage uh, some of these cues. How many times have you woken up in the middle of the night, Allie, and just slam some water because you're hungry? Yeah, or so, being peeing all night long because I've slammed so much water before bed <laughs> to stop the <laughs> hunger. All of the above, all of the above. So you know look, what I find super interesting is the fact that based on stats, the average human adult sleeps less than seven hours a night, like chronically sleep deprived, right? And I was one of them. So I'm going to raise that stat because I'll put my hand up and be like, I was this naughty individual where I was like, sleep when I'm dead, all of the things, all at once, YOLO. Like, that was my attitude <laughs> right up until dead set. You were the like, team honestly, no sleep. You were team I no was. Sleep. I was so bad, though, babe. When I was in corporate, I was really bad. Like, I was known for literally having, on average, four hours. Maybe if I, if I was lucky, if I was sleeping in, it was a six-hour night, right? Like, that's crazy to me now. Now I'm like, what was I thinking? 
But how many people relate to that? I know so many of my clients. That's yeah. what they tell me when I or yeah. if I do a launch call for any client, then they tell yeah. me their sleep schedule. I look at them so crazy, and I'm like, really, I'm like, okay, you go to sleep at twelve, and you wake up at four, so you yeah. you're sleeping four hours every night, and you do this to yourself, and you yeah. you say this is the only way uh, to live, yeah. and you wonder why you're not losing weight, and why you feel crazy, and why your mood swings are higher, why you're maybe oh on point, you know. Obviously all these things really down regulate and it sends a very big down spiral for so many other things that, you know, our cortisol levels, our circadian rhythm really yep. just gets fucked up. <laughs> it really does. It really does. And look, you know, for me, I got to the point where I was high functioning on that low sleep, right? But what I just didn't have respect for was the actual physiological ramifications, right? So the actual impact of the loss of certain phases of sleep on my function, on my biology, on my longevity of life, on my hormonal balance, like on so many factors, right? When you think about it, right, our entire lifetime, we spend one third of it asleep. So if we live for a hundred years, imagine that. That's a fairly decent chunk of like, you wouldn't be like, I oh, had yeah, 30 years I'm asleep for. But effectively we are. Like it's crazy, right? But that's facts. And and we do. So, you know, it's essential for our mental well-being. It's essential for our physical. And you hit the nail on the head. It really does. It's a it's it's actually our third pillar of health. So if you're not focused on sleep, you are limiting your body's ability to you know, um, be efficiently producing, exactly, be efficiently producing its, you know, natural biochemistry and its natural functions and its physiology for reproduction and recovery, like everything. So it's quite fascinating. When we we look at the stages of sleep, right? So what are the actual stages and where do we spend most of our time? Now, I'm just going to jump straight to the last one and say this. When I was living on those retardo levels of sleep, I was missing all of my deep, most of my deep sleep, which the biggest bang for buck is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., right? I was missing most. I was cutting that in half straight away. If I wasn't going to bed until like 12, sometimes 1 or 2 a.m., but then getting up at like 4 a.m., I'm also missing all this REM. So there's two parts of this that is really important for the deep restorative recovery, but then also REM is really important for the flushing of the toxins in the brain and the, the, like the neural rewiring, and that's good for cognitive function. So there are so many elements that I was missing out on. Everyone listening to this will have the, you know, that can relate to my old history. You're going to relate to the fact that you're just never quite feeling fresh. You start losing track of things you lose you know like memory goes like just little things start to go by the wayside and you know you think that it's just prep or it's just this or it's just stress but it's really not it also limits your ability to handle stress like you really can't function normally without it and it's it's really quite interesting once you start to understand the true impact of it um Steph tell me when you talk to clients right What's probably the biggest thing that comes up with sleep? And what's the biggest thing that you identify that people don't know about sleep? Because we'll start breaking down stages soon. But if we just look at this from a client perspective, what do we face most? Because mine is just generally people don't ever respect sleep and it's imperative. They don't don't prioritize it. Kind of like how I I started, you know, today's podcast is that most people put, 
uh, sleep on at, at the back burner. They don't prioritize it. So it's like the last thing. So it's kind of like that missing gap, right? Like we try to schedule ourselves and put so much on our plate, you know, whether if that's with your kids or with work, you know, with prep or whatever you're doing, you like fill up your whole day. You're thinking you have, you know, from yeah. like five in the morning till 10 PM or till midnight, like with some people with the crazies, like you <laughs> or your old you, you know, that <laughs> My just me. to do yeah. the four to five hour uh, sleep every night crazy and your body adapts to it and to to kind of touch base on what you were saying ali your body you get used to it like you said you you get you adapt like i mean your body is an animal it's supposed to adapt to any stress that you bring to it any level that yeah. you bring to it it's going to adapt to that so but then it starts also fatiguing and it starts catching up to you when you do this for a long oh, time my and that's god yes started mentioning those symptoms that you start getting the fogginess you know you you can't really function correctly you can't really manage stress. Uh, you start actually being scatterbrained and you, yep. you wonder why you're not, uh, you're in the gym working so hard. I think one of the individuals that to me gets, it, it frustrates me as a coach is normally when they lack sleep because they decide to just wake up to go to the gym and then lift, you know, I'm like, look, sleeping is actually going to build muscle. If you do yeah. not sleep, you are not going to grow. So that's actually yeah. one of the first things that most clients don't realize and don't know yeah. is the fact that sleep is going to lead to muscle growth. So if you're really depriving yourself and lacking Correct. sleep, you're in the gym putting two, three hours, let's say like this ridiculous amount of time, shave off the amount of time you're training and actually put a little more effort into like yep. sleep more. I mean it. Like if you can yep. actually get into that deep REM sleep that you're talking about, you're really yep. going to grow. And I think that's one of actually one of my biggest tools when people ask me, why have you been successful or how are you successful? Yep. I'm like, I prioritize sleep, you know, whether I, I'm not a napper. I think a lot of, um, People can, you know, tend to nap throughout the day and catch up on sleep that way. You know, all power to you. <laughs> I think the individuals that could do it have like a superpower. Like you could just kind of like tell yourself to go to bed. I'm like, I don't have that. Um, I do have a, a circadian rhythm. And just to explain what the circadian rhythm is for all you listeners, you know, it's, it's, technically it picks up when you wake up and when you go to sleep. And normally you get woken up by the sunlight, you know, like the sunlight, once the sun is out, your circadian rhythm starts trying to get you to release, you know, obviously some of your endorphins, you actually start waking up, feel more awake throughout the middle of the day. You're going to notice it rise. Your cortisol level naturally rises through natural work stress, life stress, you know, working out naturally raises your cortisol levels. And as you peak throughout the day, Day, you're going to start dropping um, these levels, the cortisol levels to allow melatonin to release in the evening. And if you're messing up these levels in a, if, from actually down-regulating, saying you actually have cortisol uh, so much higher throughout the day due to like maybe life circumstances and stress or too much caffeine. Oh my God. One of the biggest things that rise your cortisol <laughs> levels that, you know, uh, actually suppress your sleep and make you feel like you can't go to sleep. That's actually one of the things I get told a lot. Stephanie, I can't sleep. Like I, I, I'm, I, like I'm having issues sleeping. Like I want to sleep, but I'm having issues actually staying asleep or falling asleep. You know, and I think that's always going to come down to actually your cortisol levels affecting obviously your sleep 
rhythm, which is your sleep schedule, your sleep wake schedule is your circadian rhythm. So if you're messing that up, or you don't even have a sleep time, if you're just letting yourself kind of like fall asleep, or, you know, go to sleep whenever, you're really not paying attention to when your body naturally releases your melatonin. So if you don't pay yeah. attention to these things, or have trouble, you should start supplementing in to help with cortisol management. Like, for example, for me, I used to actually struggle going to sleep. But again, I prioritize sleep, but I still struggled with going to sleep and sometimes staying asleep. And that was actually me having too high of stress and too much cortisol being risen. So ashwagandha was one of my biggest tools that I started taking and it helps so, so much as well as like a, a supplement called Calm. Calm actually is by Revive and, and, and it really does just what the, the word says, calms you down and and it has um where the abilities where your nervous system calms down you know obviously your b12 is helping the nervous system as well as you know your cortisol levels dropping allows you to go to sleep and i sleep like a baby honestly those two alone have been like magic tools for myself to just stay asleep go to sleep and wake up literally like <laughs> with everything ready to roll and i don't feel groggy i'm not taking um you know a sleeping aid yeah. You know, um, that's going to cause yeah. me to rely on a supplement to go to sleep. You know, it just makes sure that my my stress levels are, you know, at a at a regulated uh, amount, so I don't have to stay awake because you feel that anxiety, or if you deal with maybe anxiousness or overthinking by the end of the day because of all your stress, you're you're having a little cortisol issues that are starting to lead into <laughs> negative effects for your sleep. Um, but going into you, Ali, like for your changes of you know lifestyle what would you say so yeah what was they were huge that like you know there was different right you had so much on your well i'm not saying you don't have a lot on your yeah. plate now but it, it's different yeah. in scheduling so what was demanded then so for- what i actually did was i actually set i set aside time to actually implement a very strict sleep routine so I worked on my sleep hygiene. I did not have anything that was specific in play whatsoever. So I'm talking like I'd work, I'd go home, I'd eat, and then I'd work some more. And then when I would finally feel tired at my computer, I'd go to bed. And then like you, latency was a problem. And latency, a.k.a. time it takes from when you lay down to fall asleep, anything longer than um, anything longer than 10 minutes means you're you know actually overtired, chronically tired, requiring sleep. Anything less than a couple of minutes is that you are also chronically tired, overtired. So it's this like, you know, sort of beautiful window between two and 10 minutes. You should be naturally falling asleep. And it means you're not too far gone either side. And I was either falling in bed, passing out straight away. So chronically, chronically overtired, or I was falling asleep, like sometimes 45 minutes to an hour laying in bed before I fall asleep. Like it was terrible. So the first thing I did was I actually addressed my blue light exposure. I got the hell off of my computer. So where I would sit on the computer until 11, 12 o'clock at night, I removed it. I stopped from six o'clock onwards, no more computer time. I did family time and I did unwind time. I put on blue light glasses, blocking light glasses. I'd use the blue light screen on my on my laptop. I also use the blue light screen on my phone and my phone actually now disconnects from all apps after 6 p.m. So it actually disconnects, doesn't allow me to have connectivity, takes my brain out of work completely and puts me into relax mode. Second thing I did was I moved my eating window. I moved my eating window and I made my dinner prior to sleep. So I made sure that I was eating no later than two hours prior to my bedtime. That allowed my body time to digest and allowed me to get into a place where I wasn't having the food digestion and or just 
you know, body temperature and things like that raised to a point where it was preventing me to sleep. So I did that. I also made sure that I was well hydrated throughout the course of my day and I stopped drinking and smashing too much water too close to bedtime. So I was no longer getting up and peeing throughout the course of the night. Those are my first two really big things. The next thing I did was I actually made my bedroom this amazing haven for sleep. I no longer did anything else in my bedroom other than sleep and fun time with Christos. That's the only thing that room gets used for, right? I do not go in there during the day and lay or do anything. I do not take my computer in there. I do not take an iPad in there. I do not do anything that I probably used to do before. So that is now only allocated to that. I also have a a little lamp now that I use that, again, is a better light. I flick that on, go into my room, turn everything else off so that essentially the first thing I'm doing is dimming it, mooding it. I jump into bed. And the last thing that I do, which before I even get to the bedroom to do this, I would have also done probably a little bit of journaling, written out the things from the day, process what's been, shut the tabs in my you know tab windows down, close them down before going to bed, where then I could actually allow the brain to do what it's meant to do and go through the process of, you know, resting, going to sleep, recalibrating, right? But I would get rid of the things that might have otherwise been playing on my mind, keeping my mind active and and just closing the doors on things. I would journal out and set my tasks for the following day too so that I didn't have anything, you know, looming in my back back of my mind going, I've got to do this tomorrow, I've got to do this tomorrow, I've got to do this tomorrow. I already had a plan. I reflected and set the goals and closed the tabs from the day before. I set and planned for the day ahead and I knew what I was going to do and I felt, you know, prepared. Those were the two big things for me around quietening the brain at night. Um, The environmental things seriously helped. The food and the water things seriously helped. And then the last little thing was I pick a book. I have a book at the side of my bed and I will physically read a book. So no screens, no nothing. And I read and it just puts my brain. Now my brain associates bedtime, that room, that lighting and that book with sleep. And before you know it, I'm deep sleeping and I'm in bed at the perfect time to hit the perfect cycle of time to hit my deep, my deep sleep to maximize upon trying to get as many of those 90 minute cycles of sleep with as much deep as I can between 10 and 2 a.m. where it's most restorative. And then again, I try to hit, you know, enough of the REM sleep in the latter part of the, the window of night because that's usually what happens. It's the first part of the night where you get your, um, you know, your deep sleep. So sleep traditionally is divided into two categories. You've got your non-rapid eye movement, so NREM, and then your rapid eye movement, REM. They're both exactly what they sound like. One has, you know, the the eyes moving rapidly beneath the the lids and the other is not. And basically these two types of sleep make up a single cycle where your brain will progress sequentially through each stage of the sleep. So you have your wake moment, then you go into your light sleep where you can be woken up relatively easily, right? It's the moments right before sleep. Then you have your deep sleep where it's pretty hard to wake you. Like, you know, you really don't stir much. Muscles are relaxed. Everything's relaxed and switched off. Then you go into your REM, and that's where you've got that rapid eye movement. Your brain has got a whole bunch of functions going on. At that point in time, respiration increases, heart rate increases, temperature regulation is switched. Your brain activity is high. This is where we're vividly dreaming. But it's also where the brain's like categorically filing stuff from the day and making sense of and linking that subconscious to conscious. It's pretty awesome. So this is the stuff now when I understand all of this, I'm like, 
wow, I was really ripping myself off. Like I was shitting the bed. I was missing out on the deep restorative sleep that was growing me. I was missing out on the stuff that actually, you know, um, mobilizes all of my brain activity and creates that, you know, um, blueprint of filing. Like I was missing out all of these things. So for everyone listening to this, you actually, they're, they're equally important. NREM and REM, equally important. And there's actually been some studies and some research have shown that the importance of REM sleep is actually slightly higher than NREM. So when we go back to your ladies step that want to go, oh, I'm going to cut my sleep off and just get up early and go to the gym. Yeah, well, maybe don't. Maybe get a couple more cycles of your REM when you're getting your best sleep. You need to be getting it right. So we should be going through these four stages of sleep in that 90-minute cycle if it's on track for doing its proper thing. So if you look at ever look at your sleep data, it was like this. It's like this roller literal roller coaster ride of sleep stages, right? You should get at least four to five of them in a night. So if you're looking at your data on your Fitbit or your Garmin or your Apple or your Aura and you're not getting those beautiful curvy roller coaster um, trajections of peaks and troughs, if there's not at least four of them, you're undersleeping. You should be getting four to five. And that's so true. And then going even back into tying in, Allie, with you, um, you were hitting it there with the deep REM sleep. And this is crucial for muscle growth, going, tying back, mm-hmm. back in for everybody that's really working so hard in the gym and, you know, and this just applies not maybe just because you're lacking sleep, but you're wondering why you're maybe not seeing the results or gaining as much muscle mass. You are going to obviously be having more muscle mass when you sleep because there's more protein synthesis that occurs during sleep, as well as our release of human growth hormone that's naturally released in during our sleep. This is actually something that's going to help muscle growth. So if you're not sleeping, you're not going to be growing. That's actually my best thing that I can recommend to anybody on this, this call today is more if, of sleeping at the deep REM level. Like you said, Ali, like yep. if you're not yep. monitoring it, that's fine. Just make sure that you're at least getting an adequate amount of time. So Yay. seven to nine hours is a great time frame for you yep. to kind of aim for. Um, I think I, I know that's a little far stretch for some, I understand like maybe the nine is not doable for everybody, but if you're at least trying to can at least seven, seven. hours, like, yep. get that seven, at least on the lower spectrum, um, you're probably going to hit maybe four of those deep REM cycles, hopefully. hundred percent, hundred percent. And look, that's where it's, that's where it's the most, you get the most restorative. Like Steph is so right. This is actually where, you know, muscle growth repair, but also it's the waste removal of toxins in your brain, which is what actually has you feeling, you know, refreshed and energetic and actually, you know, cognitively functioning well. So during deep sleep, you can expect to see, you know, your blood pressure drop, you know, um, blood flow will increase through to the muscles. You actually get that heightened level of repair. You release your human growth hormone during your deep sleep. So again, who doesn't want to release more natural growth hormone? No one. So you got to be hitting your, um, your deep sleep. You actually have these long, slow brain waves during that cycle too, which is where the brain is actually flushing out waste. So, 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 so important. Oh, my gosh, yes. The toxins being released. So, so Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and be- 
keep going. No, no. And so like with the tying in of like fatigue or like even like what we were talking about, your, your, your brain feeling foggy, you're not releasing these toxins and you're not letting your brain even decompress. You know, really, this is the only time that it can actually, actually get uh, the, the best functioning, um, for your, for your brain, for any, especially if you're demanded for your job, um, you're really, um, you know, high paced with cognitive function. Like you are just having to think, 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 think your whole day. Uh, you definitely need sleep. If you're lacking sleep, yeah. you're probably going to notice, um, everything tanks as the day goes 100%. on or if not in the morning, caffeine is probably your best friend. And that's what keeps you up and alive. And if you're noticing these tendencies, because you wake up and you're already searching like for a long espresso, like not even just a shot, like a long, a long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're definitely going to um, be suffering in the adrenal side. Okay. So your adrenal glands are going to start actually being suppressed because of so much caffeine, so much caffeine in your system is going to downregulate again your sleep it's, it really is going to affect your sleep pattern your sleep hygiene um it's really important for you to uh, monitor yeah, how much caffeine you're right. having in the day i know this um isn't about caffeine but if you're, you're actually having uh over 400 milligrams of caffeine a day you That's are exceeding fun. the amount of caffeine that you should oh, be yeah. having in, in a day so yeah so when you're obviously intaking so much caffeine, this is going to really affect your sleeping pattern, your sleep hygiene. Uh, I think so many people that lack sleep search for caffeine as their best friend. You know, we're, we're searching for coffee or your bang drink or, you know, that Celsius or whatever it is that your energy drink mm. is, that you, you know, is your go-to or your, your pre-workout for your training, you know, just because you are so, so tired or you're just like not really pumped. Um, it's probably the fact that you haven't slept enough given the fact that we are um, maybe a little tired with work, if it's a workout at the end of the day, but if you're doing this earlier on and you're still tired uh, and you're having that much caffeine, I think that the regulation for caffeine is really very, very simple. If you're having over 400 milligrams of caffeine in a day, you are really over uh, intaking your caffeine. You should definitely uh, monitor how much caffeine you're intaking. If this is something that is starting to affect um, maybe your sleep pattern, or you're noticing that uh, you can't stay asleep throughout the night. This is normally one of the things that I, I can immediately tell in a client if um, they can't sleep well. I can tell they had caffeine past like 6 p.m. in the evening or maybe like 9 p.m. because they thought it was cool to take pre-workout in their evening workout, you know, <laughs> and then they can't yeah. go to bed and then they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know why I couldn't sleep or why I can't stay asleep. Uh, <laughs> caffeine intake. OK, so make sure uh, you are monitoring or cutting it off at a certain time of the day um, or monitoring how much you are having in, in, in your daily intake. Um, your adrenal glands do suffer you know, we're starting to, you know, have too much caffeine because this is something that um, I think we don't really pay attention mm. to and we think that we are like superhuman and that we're not going to get affected. Um, so make sure you are uh, paying attention to that. Yeah, 100%. And look, if you don't need any more reason other than the fact that you're going to lose out on amazing gains, right. chronic sleep is actually linked to obesity, diabetes, a whole bunch of chronic diseases that come because the body's not actually getting the reprieve that it needs, right? So there's a whole bunch of things that lead to excessive weight gain when you're actually chronically deprived. So there are a number of reasons why we don't, why we can put on weight during sleep. And the first one is that we don't actually get 
we don't actually get enough sleep. We actually have an increased appetite and it's not always controllable. The things we talked about in the episode that we do with Kayla about the increase in certain hormones that basically increase your hunger levels, um, make satiation incredibly difficult, and you can end up eating, on average, the stats say, an extra 500 calories a day just because you're tired. How full on is that? Like that's nuts. And and a metabolic rate also decreases. So because you're not restoring, because you're not recharging, because you're not flushing toxins, metabolic rate decreases as much as 15%. Meaning not only are we feeling hungry and potentially eating more, we're burning calories much slower. Wow. Like that's this is what I mean. Once you start learning about the importance of sleep, you go, okay, I'm going to make sleep a, a, a thing, a real ritual, a real priority. Yep. The other thing is, is that exercise significantly helps your ability to sleep. Like it's a mood changer. We know absolutely, but it actually does increase your ability to sleep and to get into restorative sleep. Now, if you are not exercising, that can also impact sleep. So I would be suggesting to anyone that is experiencing it, look at your movement. Has it slowed down? Should you be increasing it? And make sure that the two go hand in hand because you should be feeling like, and that's why Steph says, you know, even though she's at this point close to stage, she's feeling freaking tired. She's sleeping really well because she's moving like a demon. She's, you know, training like a beast still. So these are really relevant links here. And I notice a huge difference, Ali, whenever I'm not training, you know, obviously maybe couple times a day or trying to create a deficit or trying to, you know, obviously uh, get closer to stage, then my sleep actually starts getting thrown off, which is when I, I yeah. noticed uh, for me, particularly when COVID happened and we kind of got, you know, pulled back yeah. from prepping a few times, you know, I started noticing how my sleep schedules and my sleep pattern was uh, just irregular and I couldn't really fall asleep. And that's kind of where I noticed uh, my cortisol was just really unmanaged and I couldn't really control it. And that's when I started supplementing in the ashwagandha and the calm. And I think that that was a big tool um, to help me, even though maybe my exercise was not as strenuous or causing maybe me as to be so tired to, to be going to bed. Um, I still was able to, you know, kind of know why it was because my exercise wasn't as hard, or maybe I had more days off and on those days off, yeah. I would struggle going to bed, which is a yeah. reason why, again, I was started trying to counter because when you know, yeah. you'll make it, you'll make an effort. When you know that we're teaching you and that we're talking about and we're just informing you, yeah. you are going to make a difference when you, you're just up there mindlessly scrolling on Instagram at 3 a.m. because you can't sleep, you know, instead you're going to say, oh my God, I should definitely, you know, prioritize sleep. And, and this is the time I'd be able to be in my deep rest sleep. You know, I cannot watching endless, um, you know, Netflix series. Uh, over and over <laughs> again like just stop binge watching and prioritize your sleep you know you really have to it's just as yeah. much as your eating and your meals people don't get it 100 so and look i think we should probably caveat it by saying like everybody's different every age cycle is different too like you know right. children need a lot more you know i think right up through till we get to sort of middle age and elderly you still need at least seven to nine actually kids need sort of nine plus but getting into those brackets is really healthy. But how do you find out if your sleep is impaired or 
what perhaps is going on with you, if you've never looked at it before, I would be suggesting to start a little bit of a sleep journal for the next week and start looking at um, recording the time you go to sleep, the time you're waking up. Start noting if you've got the ability to look at a graph, like we talked about Fitbit has it, Apple has it, like all these different you know mechanisms that you can wear have them. Look at your sleep cycle and it will show you your phases. You know, so are you awake? progressively is there a lot of rest um, restlessness are you awake for periods of time if so how long are you what is the percentage of sleep you're getting in REM versus light versus deep start looking at that and then examining the hours that you sleep night to night and then your natural wake time too because if you're finding that you're not capable of waking on average around the same time and there's discrepancies that's usually a sign that you need more sleep too when you get to the point you're getting enough, you get, you, Steph talked about this at the start, it's that natural circadian rhythm, you get into the flow and everything is sort of processing, moving along really nicely. You're in this rhythm, you'll find your body naturally shutting down at a certain time with regularity and it's naturally waking within the hour of yeah. consistency. So that's always People a good sign. It. It's so nice. No, I think yeah. actually get that. They're like, oh, I already have that. Like you have a good sleep rhythm as well as circadian yeah. rhythm that you follow, whether you, you have rituals because you have work that requires you to wake up at a certain time and you obviously are getting adequate amount of sleep and you go to sleep at a good time. And, you mm. know, obviously you notice you just, you wake up. Like that's, yeah. a, you may not even need yeah. your alarm. Those that have that obviously have it to a T, like they're good, like yeah. they're doing things well. But if you're not and you're struggling, you're you're struggling to stay up, you know, you're struggling to even, you know, and this happens, I think, more for like the shift workers, you know, like uh, doctors, nurses, uh, people that work overnight, um, they have to create such a difference um, obviously routine and rhythm to, to their body. And sometimes they have to fight it because, um, they have, you know, days off and then, you know, they have to work three days in a row. So I understand it's very difficult for, um, those type of workers. Um, but it's, it's mainly more trying to prioritize the sleep in general. So don't, overstress on the circadian rhythm so much as, as much as the sleep itself. Um, but if you naturally, like, I still don't, I still need an alarm. Okay. Like I still definitely need an alarm to wake up. So me too. I'm not going to lie. I'm the same. I'm not going to wake up just, I mean, I'm not saying that there's not days that I just naturally do wake up. Um, and, and I, that is an alertness. Like you have that alertness right when you wake up and you're like ready to go. Uh, that's honestly the best feeling, but I still obviously work with uh, more of a scheduling side of thing. And I think that um, a, an actual time management is going to fall down with your sleep schedule too. If you don't have good time management and you're not putting yourself um, going to bed at a certain time or have a, a wake time that you have to be up by, then you're going to just kind of uh, be all over the place. I agree. So I think some really great take-home tips that we've discussed today are watching the level of stimulants you're having at the time of the day that you're having it, making sure that you're starting to get, you know, the things you can naturally do to set circadian rhythms, which is seeing sunlight first thing in the morning, seeing it again towards the afternoon in the waning light, it starts to release your natural melatonin. So these are all little hacks. But on top of that, reducing the, the time frame that you eat. Don't eat so late night, move it down lower. Have your fluid intake, stop drinking fluid a couple of hours out. Um, setting up your bedroom so you've got more of a sleep hygiene and a sleep environment, right? There are other little hacks like running water apparently statistically has some sort of impact on the brain's mechanism to shut down. Having, um, you know, 
scents and oils like the doTERRA and having, you know, your easy air and your lavender and, you know, essential oils that can also stimulate the body's slowing down mechanism. Going through a nighttime meditation perhaps in your ear, you know, your AirPods, not watching anything because we're staying away from blue light. Um, Exactly. I think also um, doing things that might become a consistent routine. So when the body then starts to recognize reading a book, going to this space, sitting in that chair, like whatever it is, it starts to become a a familiarity and association to the sleep and the unwind process. And then I think lastly, looking where you can, even if you are someone who's what we call a night owl and they don't go to sleep till later, at least maybe just try to move it back, move it forward. So come to sleep a little earlier, even if it's by an hour or two, you're still picking up an extra hour of that deep restorative sleep window, which happens in the in the earlier part of the night um, because it doesn't matter even if you go to bed at 2 a.m. and you wake up and you've had nine hours. At the 2 a.m. mark, you've missed the deep sleep window. It is between that 10 and 2. Well, you've missed a lot of it. You won't get as much. So you don't want to miss that. Right. Yes, there is. There is. Throughout the night. So if you are a night owl, like you're actually, you know, touching, I think it's actually Mm. important. Um, Yeah, um, because there are. Yeah, it's, it's more about setting still a schedule. Like, I think it's still Correct. coming down to a scheduling. Um, it blows my mind how many people are like, oh, I just, you know, maybe around this time, you know, between this and this. Like, it's it's something you should already know what time yeah. is the time you're actually going to bed and what time you Correct. should be up. Um, this is going to keep you on uh, actual schedule and you're going to be able to then prioritize uh, when you are actually not getting maybe deep REM sleep. Um, but first and foremost is, making the time okay it's making the time so many people just put it on the back burner so don't be one of those um prioritize it so if you need some supplementation uh and melatonin doesn't work for you because it didn't work for me um revive has some amazing um products so you could even use code dynasty at any time and get you know some percentages off there and just really start prioritizing your sleep because i'm telling you they work it works and work miracles yeah, for me yeah. i take it year round um and touching to what ali said about like a ritual at night um, um, doing even some like not just meditating. I think meditating also ties into like your yoga or even like doing some mobility work. I think was fantastic for the decompression side. Uh, you actually feel release of the muscles, release of your joints and tendons when you're doing some foam rolling or you're doing some mobility work, um, and it allows you to just go straight into bed um, a little a, mm-hmm. a little less tight, which allows your muscles to be more relaxed, which is something during your sleep. Uh, in one of the stages, you actually uh, start actually having more yeah. relaxation in the muscle, which allows the muscle to recover, mm. repair, and grow. Um, so yes, yeah. yes, yes. Sleep, sleep. All right, people. So as if you don't need any more excuse to focus on that bedroom in the positive way of sleep, I think now we've given it to you, but I'm hoping that there's plenty of take-home tips. I hope you got a lot out of this because, you know, if there's one thing that I can't stress enough, sleep is a key pillar of health and it's 100%, I think, the tool in the arsenal kit of the very best at the competitive levels because we all, anyone you speak to that's at the very top, we all prioritise sleep and recovery. It's right up there with good nutrition. I mean, you can't. You can't avoid it. Nope, nope, nope. And supplementation there, guys, is just something that is in addition. It's not something that is you can definitely try to get it through foods. But if your calories or your range doesn't allow it, then go ahead and go with the option of an all natural form. You don't have to rely on over the counter medicine. 
I'm a non-believer on, you know, prescription medicine or having to um, rely yeah, on rely on it. Rely on something, yeah. So something all natural, and uh, that is the reason why you know um, trying to resource something if you need it. If not, just build that yeah. schedule. Really build a routine around, uh, of course, your uh, work, and of course things can get a little crazy and hectic. But still prioritize yourself when you're prioritizing sleep, as well as uh, your training and meals the way you do. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Thanks everyone for listening. I'll see you guys next episode. Yeah. Bye. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Queen Divas Pod, on Twitter at Queen Divas 4, and follow our hosts on Instagram, Alicia at Alicia Gowans underscore WBFF Pro, and Steph at Stephanie Ayala 7. See you all next week.